That's good. So, Luke is roughly the same age as me when I started to preach, and my mum and dad are sat there, so we kind of got three generations going on here, which is good. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's probably the best thing as a, a pastor dad can do is to encourage and then see. And I have to say, and he will bear witness to this, I've done everything I can to discourage him from being a pastor and preaching. And the reason is this. It's because Spurgeon said, if you can do anything else, then you should do it. Because if you can do anything else, then the ministry isn't for you. Does that make sense? If it captures your heart and it's the only thing that you can do, that, you, that nothing else, then, then I have encouraged him while saying, son, this is not a job. This is a vocation. This is, and you know, I'm so proud of him because that is the way he approaches this. He's put a lot of work and a lot of prayer into this, and so I have encouraged you, right? Yeah. I'm not. I've, I've yeah. encouraged you in a. No, I'm. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. So I've got to see your faces here, going. You're a terrible dad. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I'm serious. I can see the call of God on his life, and even though I have, I have challenge that sometimes he is firm in what he believes god has called him to do so he's he's uh, it's good so let me pray for you cool. and then we'll hear what you have to say father we thank you for this young man lord i'm thankful for him i'm proud of him and he is a son of this house and lord it's good to uh, give opportunity to the next generation of ministers and pastors to come and speak to us so father i know his heart is to communicate your word not his words and so, Lord, I pray you would anoint him and charge him up to do that. And, uh, and that, Lord, that he would, he would just feel freedom and would enjoy this. We ask these things in the, your name, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Cool. Man, that worship was, that was the best. I didn't want to come up and preach after that. That was awesome. All right. Well, as you guys now know, my name is Luke, and I am son of Pastor Glenn here. I'm 18. And um, if you ever, if, okay, just a little warning. If you see me limping today, like while I'm on stage, it's because I got stung by a wasp on Thursday on my foot at, while I was at the ARC camp. So if you want to pray for me for that, um, that'd be awesome. Um, no, but seriously, it's, it's awesome to be here. I'm really excited for, for what God has. And as we're going in the Psalms and doing that, it'll be good. So if you want to open your Bibles to Psalm 1, there should be, there might be some in the blue boxes next to your, next to your chairs. We'll go through that. We'll just get started. All right, Psalm one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. God I pray that you just bless this word Jesus as it's straight from Straight from the Psalms, God, and the Psalms are such an awesome example of just how good you are, and through everything, how good you are. So I pray that you will touch our hearts today, despite anything that I say or don't say. Jesus, I pray that it can be, it can be powerful because of what you're doing. I pray that you stir your spirit in this room. 
Amen. All right. So Psalm 1. I love that psalm. And when, I, when my dad asked for me to, to speak, I just like, opened it up right from the beginning, and that was the first one I read. And so I didn't think about it too much. I just went for it, and I chose it. And, and so that's the one. So I just want to, the first thing I want to do is just kind of explain what this psalm means. So the psalm is called The Way of the Righteous and the, and the Wicked. So in this, it is talking about the life of the righteous and what it looks like to live it inside and out and how, um, and how it makes a difference in your life. So God says in this passage that the righteous are, in verse 1, you can see that the righteous are blessed. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. God says that the righteous are blessed. Blessed meaning you're at peace, you have rest, you have covering, you have favor, you are just full. Like, you have everything you need. You're blessed if you are righteous. Next it says in verse 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water. He is stable. He's not going to get thrown by anything that comes his way. Whether it's family stuff, whether it's anything where you lost your job or whatever, it's, you're not going to get thrown. You're stable. Everything that you have in Christ keeps you founded. It keeps you like a tree planted by streams of water that just keeps getting fed, just keeps getting replenished. And it says again in verse 3, that you'll be fruitful or prosperous. In all that he does, he prospers. That you will accomplish everything that you are set out to do. If you're with God and you're following the will of God, you will set out everything that you try to do because it is the will of God and he will not let you fail, right? And then verse 3 again, it says that the righteous are healthy, that, that um, its leaf does not wither, it yields its fruit in its season. Your whole life, you're just on fire. You're never out. Christ doesn't run out, right? You have him. You will not wither. You're healthy. And then it says that in verse 6, that God knows the righteous in the same way that he approves of them, the same way that he is with them. The righteous are living life fully. They are living life in the way that is exactly how we are made to live. After sin, that is how we are made to live. Being righteous. Being full with, with God. Being satisfied in Him. And just loving everything that He does. They will not be moved. So I have a, one example of this in my life that... Um, that really showed just how how good God was is when I'm sure some of you know if you've been uh, if you've been a part of the South for a while is that our the Maddens my family we got thrown a couple years ago we just got thrown like my dad became sick the church like stood behind us but family stuff was hard personal struggles were hard school was tough life really sucked everything failed us everything that we were looking for that we didn't even know that we were looking for that we didn't even know that we relied on everything failed us everything and i can guarantee you that at some point everything will fail you and it's a really sad thing to talk about because it's guaranteed and this world is full of sin but the only thing that will not fail you the only hope that you have is in christ because christ is steadfast christ will not move I love that. So in that time of struggle, the only hope that we had was just the word, was Christ Jesus dying for us. I'll explain that more as we go on and how, and how that shows itself. But 
The life that trusts in God and follows his word is the righteous life. So that's what this psalm is getting at. So my sermon is called Being an Inside-Out Christian. I thought I needed a catchy title for it, so I feel like that works. But being an inside-out Christian. So point number one is being righteous before God and what that looks like, and I'll explain that. Then being righteous inside, like in your heart, and then being righteous inside-out and what it means to, to live your day-to-day um, Live your day-to-day with God. Uh, Yeah, so. Point number one. Righteous before God. So being righteous in the Bible, like what does it mean? It means sinners being given right standing with God through faith in Jesus' death and resurrection, and that's given to them by the Holy Spirit. So that sounds like a ton. And I had to do a lot of study so I could explain it properly. But this implies that that um, we did not have right standing. Right standing means a place before God. It means being accepted before Him. Right? And so it it implies that we didn't have right standing at one point. That the way of the righteous and the wicked, that there is a wicked, that there is a way to live unrighteously. So let me just explain, basically, the Bible. And like, give me five minutes. And then... I'll do my best. Um, so God is perfectly good and holy. He made the world perfectly good and holy. He made us perfectly good and holy. We were one with him. We had a place with him, right? We didn't have any sin. There wasn't any death. There wasn't any illness. There wasn't any, any brokenness. Everything was good because God is good. There was no sin. No, no sin. There was nothing wrong with the world. But then we just had to go and mess it up. And now we tore ourselves apart from God. We have sin. Everybody in this room has sin. I have sin. It shows up daily. And this sin means that we are tore apart from God. We are separated. That we lost our place. That we are not one with Him anymore. Like sin is just choosing anything instead of God. Is loving anything instead of God putting yourself before God, putting anything else before God. And it is evident in our lives. Just turn on the TV. Just look around at your families. There's illness. There's sickness. There's death. There's brokenness. There's pain. It's evident. And it's so sad because that is not what God wants for us. And because we now have sin, God's wrath is upon us. Because God hates sin. God hates anything that is not perfect and good. And because we now have sin, God's wrath is towards us. Which is a scary thing. The punishment for sin is death. In Romans 6, it says that the wages of sin is death. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. His wrath is on us because we have sinned. We have torn ourselves apart from Him. We are, we are heading for life away from Him. Away from the Creator who made the world. Away from the One who made us who we are. The One who made the world perfect and then we messed it up. We are heading for a life away from Him. And so in the Old Testament, you can read through it. Not the whole Old Testament. But in the Old Testament, the only thing that they could do is they could offer sacrifices of innocent animals. They could offer up temporary forgiveness before God. So a high priest would go into a holy place and then 
like make himself clean and holy and then give an, a goat or a calf or whatever that was innocent and perfect and blameless and spotless and sacrifice it. And then through that calf's blood, we had forgiveness. It was a really complicated process. And just like explaining it shows just how like, how bland it is. Like God, we were one with God and now we're just offering goats up to him because we need forgiveness. We need to be forgiven from our sin. This is so far from what God had for us originally, right? Because of the magnitude of our sin, we need an innocent death and only Christ Jesus himself could be the innocent, perfect death, the final sacrifice. These goats and these calves were good for temporary measures, once a year. But God, only Christ Jesus could be the final sacrifice. And it is only by grace that this happens. Hebrews 9 talks about this, about redemption through the blood of Christ. So as I said, in the Old Testament, high priests would go into the holy places, right? And they'd They'd offer up the goats. But then Jesus, because he is perfect, he's the only one who is innocent, who is blameless, he went into the holy place for the final time and he offered up himself. He gave his blood as a sacrifice. And that is the only thing that can save us. That is undeserved. We did not do anything to earn that. There's nothing that we could ever do to earn Christ's redemption again, to be one with God again. He did what nothing else could do. I love in verse 24 of Hebrews 9, it says, For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, the real things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. He is with us. He has saved us. He is the final sacrifice. He became sin so that we could have righteousness again with God. This is the first step. This is righteousness. This is the first part of living a righteous life. You need to be made righteous with God. You need to believe that Christ Jesus has taken your sin and then you get filled with the Holy Spirit and then everything changes from there because you are made righteous with God. You are stable. You, are, you have a foundation that will not fail. You have hope. So this is the first step. And this leads to my second point, being righteous inside. Once you are made righteous and you believe in Christ Jesus and that he's died for you, that he's placed his sin onto himself, he's the final sacrifice. Once you believe that, what does that look like in your life? Well, if you go back to Psalm 1 verse 2, and it says, his delight, the righteous man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Let me read that again. The righteous man's delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is captivated by God. He is in love with who God is. He's amazed at the grace that God would show him to save him through Christ Jesus. There's nothing else in the world that he loves more than God. There's nothing he thinks about more than God. He dwells on him every day, day and night. He is man, he is just, like, I want to be that. David is such a great example of this. Psalm 139. I'm not expecting you guys to flip through all these verses. There's a lot of them. But in Psalm 139, 17, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still 
with you. This is a man that is content in God, that he is amazed at who God is. He is captivated in everything that God has because he knows that God won't fail. He knows that God is the only hope. I know in my life that when I get captivated by something, everything else comes second. When, once your focus is on one thing, whether it's God, whether it's whatever it is, once it comes becomes that one thing that you're captivated by, everything else comes second. I know for me, I get very focused on, on myself and what I can get out of situations and how I put myself before relationships, before my family, and I get very captivated by myself. It becomes very selfish. And I know that good things can become the thing that you can be captivated by. Money can become the thing. I know in Kelowna that's a very popular thing to be captivated by. It's, it, can just, it just fails you. You, ca- you become captivated by it and everything else becomes second, but it fails you ultimately. All these things fail you. It can be money. It can be family. It can be school. It can be your work. Whatever it is, because everything else comes second to that one thing, and that one thing is part of a temporary broken world, it'll fail you because it is broken. It is temporary. And we are broken people, and we get failed all the time by the things that we trust in. Only God can be the one that we can that can truly captivate us in the way that we crave, in the way that we want money to, in the way that we want family to. Only God can be the thing, can be the one that can take us and hold us and just fill us in the way that we need and the way that we crave. And this, if this is a reality for you, man, I'm jealous of that because a lot of the time I don't get captivated by God. I wake up and I get out of bed and I'm like, I gotta go to work, I gotta go to church, like I gotta hang out with my family today. I love my family, that's not a bad thing. But it's like, like to be captivated by God and to have that reflect your, in your life is the most amazing thing. And I pray that over all of you that you will all have that amazing just look at who God is, that you know of his grace, that you know of his power and his love for you. And then you just gaze you just look at his beauty you just get captivated by him so yeah what does that look like in your life so you're made righteous before god and then in that being made righteous you are captivated by who god is you are amazed at him then what does it look like to live that out in your day-to-day live live that out in your in your workplace let's go back to psalm 1 verse 1 and this is point three, righteous inside out. So Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the way of scoffers. I'll read that again. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Being made righteous is living differently to the world. It's living in a way that not everybody else is, in a way that your friends aren't it's living with a different purpose um a couple of weeks ago i had i was uh i was having a i was having a pretty busy day and i was um i just didn't really want to like talk to anybody or anything just wanted to, uh just to do what i had to do but i was so i was out and about and i felt like i really needed to pray for somebody i felt like i really needed to talk to this guy about 
Jesus, just pray for him. And so immediately my, my mind just starts going like, ah, oh, but what if, what if he says no? <laughs> like, what if he, what if I get embarrassed? What if he doesn't want to have prayer? What if, what if? That's like, I'm, I'm arguing with the creator of the universe who's moving through me. I'm like, God, maybe this isn't, maybe that's not, maybe that's not the guy. Maybe a different time tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow. And it just makes no sense, right? It's like, you're, he's calling me to live differently. And so I get up, I'm like, God, I trust you. I'm going to ask him. And so I ask him if he wants prayer. And then he just starts bawling. He just starts weeping like, yes, I love prayer. I knew that this guy was going through a hard time. I knew that he wasn't a Christian. And he needed God in that time. And because... God thankfully pushed me to do that and made me live differently and made me live in a way that is like looking towards, like looking past all the things of the world, making me look ahead, like heaven bound. Because of that, I got to make a difference in somebody. He got to get told to somebody. That person got to know what it's like to be loved by somebody who loves Jesus. And that's a beautiful thing. That is what we're called to. When we're righteous before God, when we're totally captivated, we live differently. We don't go for the experiences on earth. We don't do what our friends are doing. We don't say what they're saying. We don't, we just live differently. The experiences that your friends or your family are going for now, they're temporary and they're broken. Like the things inside your heart that you want to store up, that you want to captivate you. The experiences that you're going for, it's just, it looks like nothing compared to the glory and experience that's coming in heaven with Jesus in the fullness of the glory of God. It is nothing. And so when you live differently as a Christian, you tell people about Jesus. That is what it means because Jesus lived differently. He is the ultimate. He changed the course of history. He died for us. He reconciled us with God. You live differently and you tell others about him. This is living inside out. You're made righteous, then your heart, you love Jesus, and then you go out and you tell people about that love. And it's hard. It's always going to be hard. Because you'll argue with yourself. You'll argue with the Spirit. You'll try to do things that will make you feel comfortable. But only going out and telling people about Jesus, that is what you're supposed to do. That's why you're here. If you love Jesus, that is why you are here. If you love basketball and i love basketball if you love basketball you will watch it and you'll play it and you'll get into it you'll talk about you talk about the trades and i could sit with you for hours and talk about basketball but um sorry i got nice i was thinking about basketball i gotta stay focused if if you just if you love basketball and you believe in basketball to put it that way you will talk about it you will go out and people will be like people will know that you are the basketball guy right but it doesn't make any sense if you love basketball with everything you had and then not mention it and then not go out with it. Because people will then go, I don't know, you like basketball? Like you never, you don't play it, you don't talk about it, don't watch it, don't do anything that we do. And we, like, imagine if people said that about your faith. Like, that scares me. That really scares me. If they go, you love Jesus? I couldn't even couldn't even tell. You live the same as the rest of us. You go to the same places. You go to the parties. You do all the same things. You spend your money the same way. 
you're not living differently. And that is something that scares me so bad. Because if I'm not living differently, then I'm not living as a follower of Jesus. That's just how it is. And it's, it's a frightening thought because if you're just here to live the same as everybody else, then that's not, that's not life. That's not living inside out. That is not the righteous life. You have to walk differently. When you love Jesus, it should be natural that you want to tell people about him. If you know the grace and you, you know the love that God has shown you in making you righteous, you could not stop yourself from going and telling people about it. It should reflect in your workplaces. It should reflect in your schools. When you dwell upon the Lord and you read his word and you see Jesus for who he is, you will need to tell people. Your day is going to suck unless you don't get to tell somebody about him. And that's what excites me because if we love him and we have this gift, like, just imagine, like, how your life would change if you just went with it. You just told other people about it. And that's what I love. That's living inside out. So let me, let me recap. So being righteous before God, you believe in Jesus. And again, it says that the righteous in Psalm 1, that the righteous are blessed. It says that the righteous are stable. They're not going to get thrown. It says the, rightful, the righteous are fruitful, prosperous, that they will not fail in what they're doing, that they will make disciples, because that's what we're called to. We are called to make disciples. It says that the righteous are healthy, that they will not wither or fade, so that the righteous are known, that God approves of them. This is life. This is fullness. Like, taste and see of the goodness of God. Like, how great is our God? To, I want to live like David lived, just saying, like, God, your thoughts are so much higher. Your ways are so much greater. I want to live like that. And that is joy, and that is peace, and that is hope, that is everything you need in this life that is found in Jesus. And when this is a reality to you, when you believe in Jesus and all that he has done, It'll naturally lead to being righteous inside. Jesus becomes everything to you. You are captivated by him. You are in love with all that he is. You will not stop thinking about him. You will not stop dwelling on the word. You will get up early to be with him. You will not want anything else other than him. So good. And then when this is a reality for you, this will lead to being righteous inside out. You go out with your faith. This is crucial. People are dying. People are not going with you to heaven. Like that's, that's a calling for your entire life. No matter where you are, people will not know about Jesus. And it is, your, your, it is God's command that you go and you tell them. Because they might be, you might be the only person that they will ever meet that truly shows the love of Christ. And if you are captivated by God, then that'll shine through. It should naturally shine through to you leading people towards Him. Your faith has to be inside out. I'll call the worship team up. And I just want us to to imagine like what Kelowna would look like. So just close your eyes. Just 
think about what you could do if you just told that one person who sits next to you at work, that one person that, that is going through a family struggle or has an illness, if you just told them about the hope of Jesus Christ, that we have a place with God again, that we are not torn away from his love, like imagine what that would look like. Just picture it. It's like you just go up and you ask them, can I pray for you? Like that is what God wants from us. That's what he calls us to. So God, I just pray that that you use us, Jesus. God, I pray, Father, that you will stir your spirit in us in a way that we fall more in love with you and then realize just how much we need you and how others need you, Jesus. That your goodness is greater than anything the world can provide. That when we're captivated in you, there's nothing else that we could ever want but you. And I pray, Father, that you empower us to go out with our faith and to just love like you loved us, and to live inside out. Just bless everybody here that they may believe in you, trust you, and follow you to the ends of the earth to make disciples of Jesus. Yeah, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.